Now it's time to welcome our two guests, Andrew Sullivan, founder of Asian Market Sense. Good morning, Andrew. Good morning. And James Whelan, investment manager at VFS Group, who's joining us from Australia. Good morning, James. Top of the morning. How are you now, Stephen? I'm very good. Top of the morning to you too. Well, it hasn't exactly been a quiet weekend, has it? And certainly not for Janet Yellen. She voiced concerns over China's export controls on two metals crucial to key technologies. So after the trip, bearing in mind she's now back in the US, do you see hope or do you see the decoupling continue? And how will this impact the US, China and the rest of the world? Let's start off with Andrew. Well, I think she made it clear that she wants to... um as America does, it wants to actually increase the communication going forward. She said also the fact that, uh, you know, there were, there, were, there were so many areas of commonality that they didn't have to agree on, disagree on, sorry, that, uh, you know, she wants to try and build that. And that, that follows on from what Anthony Blinken did a couple of weeks ago. I mean, I think the crucial thing is that, uh, you know, at the end of the day, that these two great economies are so interlinked that they can't afford not to get on. Uh, but what, as Janet Yellen said, was you know, they don't want miscommunication, they don't want misunderstanding, but both of them want to protect their own interests. Mm. It's good to talk. James? Yeah, I've, I've, I go with Andrew on this uh, for the most part. Uh, go, moving on from that, sort of and extending on that, I think that Yellen is really trying to make a, a strong focus on if we need to put restrictions in place. It is for defence purposes and defence purposes only. Now, whether you can believe her or not, it doesn't matter, but that is the focus that she's been trying to make um, while, she was, while she was there. The other thing is that if you set the benchmark based on the last trip by Anthony Blinken, remember that Blinken was there and that seemed like a successful trip. He got back and then about 10 seconds later, President Biden accidentally, or whatever it was, accidentally uh, called presidency a, a dictator and that, that that sort of put a, a blanket over the entire thing a big bucket of cold water over what was yeah. a, a fairly good de-thawing process that they had in china so this seems like it is much more successful they will still be playing the game on the chips um they will still be playing the game on rare earths for uh, for, the, for the foreseeable future and that's probably where the focus is going to be but as long as that focus is that it is for defense purposes only then it seems like we might be able to find more commonalities than differences Okay, Andrew, do you think they're playing bad cop, good cop? Because it, Blinken's visit didn't seem as positive as Yellen's visit. Um, no, I think I think actually they just want to... I mean, the, I think the real problem is that China thinks that America is in decline uh, and is trying to leverage on that. Well, actually, um, you know, the West is not in decline. America is still doing very well, and it's going to continue doing well. And actually, China has a lot more problems, and it really needs to open up some of these channels in order for the economy to recover. I mean, you know, it, it, it is effectively still an export-driven economy, and uh, you know, the global economy is not looking good for them. They have huge problems at home. Um, and I think they really do need to open up and you know, start communicating. You know, the, the day of the wolf warrior diplomacy is over, I think. Good. Well, talking of visits, President Joe Biden hosted Prime Minister Narendra Modi in Washington, D.C. a couple of weeks ago. Did anything come out of that and how are relations between the U.S. and India and India and China? Starting off with you, James. Well, it's, it's, it's clear that India is having the, uh, the, the full red carpet treatment. It was actually a very significant time. And I believe and that uh, is Prime Minister Modi's uh, joint sort of rarefied air and rarefied group of being able to, on two occasions, address uh, Joint House of Congress, um, which is uh, 
I think for Churchill and now recently Zelensky as well. So it's sort of just that, just showing exactly how the friendship is going. The move that, that India needs to make is definitely with the border dispute that they have with China and trying to and trying to consolidate them, but also the complexity they have of, of actually there's been a fair amount of responsibility of funding Russia's war effort by buying so much oil. But then you've also got the fact that, that the US and US companies do need to find a shift and alternative partners to China. And that's sort of that's been part of this diplomatic game that they're playing. One of the big pieces that's going into that is is the US moving more into persuading Indian defence, and they are the biggest importer of uh, the, the biggest purchaser of defence materials in the world. India um, is to the US persuading India away from Russian defence uh, materials into purchasing US defence materials. It's more of that alignment of of US and Indian interests, which would then flows through into alignment of US uh, business and and Indian interests, which often they sort of do go hand in hand. So it does it did seem very positive. It seemed very positive for India and it seemed positive for anyone who's investing in that economy as well. And just staying with you for a moment, James, um, India, the perception of India is it isn't great for human rights. How difficult is that making it for the United States to work with them? Well, it's, it's funny the way the things that you could ignore in the interests of uh, of, of furtherance, isn't it? That, uh, that once yeah. upon a time, Prime Minister Modi was denied a visa uh, into the US um, based on those human rights examples. But now it seems like he's being welcomed with open arms. The hypocrisy, not that I'm here to comment on that sort of thing, but I can say that it does mean that Invest, from an investment case, you sometimes have to close your eyes on these things and think exactly what it is that you're, that, that, that you're doing. Um, that, uh, that, that is difficult to reconcile. And there are some things that are happening in India that, that, that do make it difficult from, uh, for an ESG perspective to be able to invest in that country and, and to be able to move forward. That's, that's pretty much as much comment I'll give on those particular things on this, uh, on this particular Monday morning there. Okay, fair enough. Now, Andrew, I know you have some interesting views on the US and India. Well, I think it's, it's not so much the US on it. You know, it's like, um, I'll tell you this, both India and China will always do what's in their own best interest. I mean, India has notably, you know, not um, not spoken out against Russia invading Crimea. It's always going to do what's in its own interest. And, you know, that's the key thing, I think, at the end of the day. They want to do business, but they don't want to be seen as aligned to the West or, or to China in that fact. I mean, they already have you know, border disputes uh, and other skirmishes. So it's a very difficult position to be in. Yeah, fair enough. Mm. Antec have been fined, but the good news is they can now move forward without things hanging over them. How good news is this for the China fintech industry, Andrew? Well, I think the nice thing is, I mean, I think they will feel that there is some clarity now that the fines have been imposed, um... They have taken action to remedy things that the the party have said they don't like, but I still think that it's um, there's going to be a lot of people that you know they're there they're they're due to pass games, pass pass all these things, but it's going to be very difficult uh, going forward because we all know that at some point China could just impose more fines in the future, so. It's very difficult to gauge these companies. Mm, so not really that mm. good news. Now, how about the valuation? Um, because they're now looking to want to, I think, buy back the shares at a lot less value than they were pre-IPO in 2020. Well, I think that really just tells you that you know, it's a successful company. Um, it's been um, 
it, it's come under the, the, the party uh, crosshairs and has been fined. Uh, but it's still a good company. But at the end of the day, you know, I think the thing is that China has decided that they don't want you know, these companies to have as much free will as they used to have. And it was the free will, it was the entrepreneurship that made these companies successful. So if you're going to curtail that, it's going to make it difficult in the future. Mm, so not great for the China economy then? No. I mean, effectively, the thing is we've seen over the last year that China's wanted to have more and more control over companies. It's, it's talking about putting uh, you know, party committees in, um, companies should uh, talk to the party about making significant decisions. And that's never going to be good for free enterprise. And James, what are your thoughts on this? Well, from an investment case and from an investment manager case of managing clients' money, that the most difficult thing that we have with China is sometimes waking up in the morning and having to learn about a whole new bureaucratic layer or department that now has complete control over a certain segment of the Chinese um, financial system or economy. And that was that's, that can be a little bit difficult. You've got the Cyberspace Authority suddenly wants to put something in or you've got some other banking authority that wants to put something in, some brand new law. This is not exactly in line with that. It's, it, 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 it sort of is, but... The big, the big relief that you can take is that if they say that they are drawing a line under it, if you could believe that, then it means that, great, you can pass on with that. However, we've seen in the past that once you think that it's done and you think, okay, now that's the, that the regulatory side is, uh, is, is passed and we can actually now move forward, we've sort of been wrong-footed on that too many times to be able to charge back in with any real confidence. And, and so this is going to be a, a wait-and-see uh, how it goes, and and probably just it's it, it just continues to add to that. Just not the preferred economy that I'd want to be investing in, unfortunately. But but yeah. uh, if it is done, then then uh, chocks away and let's rock and roll. Okay, so James, you see maybe an opportunity in Hong Kong where we're kind of a bit more isolated from that regulation. Uh, it seems like maybe the, the Hong Kong-China differentiation is, is not as strong as it used to be. Picking, picking words carefully here, obviously, but the, uh, I, I still think that investing in, in, in Hong Kong as sort of the, the beacon of investment, and that if you want to invest into China, it needs to go through Hong Kong, and I do believe that China is still fairly, uh, fairly positive behind that notion, and, and, and in that regard, then yes, I would still be a part of the uh, the, the, the banking, the financial system in Hong Kong, and the, and the various uh, and the various sectors that are attached to that in that market. So yeah, I'm happy to be a part of that, but tentatively and probably not as aggressively as I have been in the past. Okay, let's move on to US job growth because that's low to a two and a half year low, though it's still growth and wage growth is looking strong. Looks like a compelling case for the Fed to increase interest rates, wouldn't you agree, Andrew? Yeah, no, I think, uh, I mean, obviously this week we get uh, in the inflation data and the PPI, which people will be watching very carefully. But I think after that jobs number, I think there was still a 96% chance of uh, the Fed raising rates again. And, you know, the Fed themselves have said, you know, rates again have to go higher and they're going to be higher for longer. So, yes, I agree. And James? I think that the Fed minutes spoke volumes. That they, yeah. said that they still need to be able to to increase once or twice more ahead in the in the near term future, and that this is just simply a pause or a skip or whatever you want to call it, and they keep on going ahead. Unemployment is still three point six percent. Wages are still growing. However, inflation. I mean, every every intelligent person that I have talking about the states is saying that inflation is coming down. Um, they probably can only afford another two rate rises, and that'll be about it. So. 
with confidence, know that that'll be uh, that'll be as high as it goes, and that inflation will continue to come down. The foot's on the throat. They just need to finish it off now. If you want to be a bit brutal with, uh, with regards to a good metaphor there. Okay, well, Andrew Sullivan, founder of Asian Market Sense, and James Whelan, investment manager at VFS Group, thank you so much for joining us this morning and sharing all your insights.